The Start On Demand. On demand. Big changes for the rollout of the AstraZeneca vaccine after concerns over blood clots. BC, meanwhile, has instituted the circuit breaker. City Councillor Matt Allard is suggesting revenue from school zone speed fines should go to safety improvements, and he has introduced a motion at City Hall. We speak with a 15-year-old entrepreneur, Sweet Treats by Emily, and what are the weird drink flavors or combinations of flavors that you've tried and maybe liked or not liked. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, March 30th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb didn't even need 24 hours. I wondered yesterday, is it really? My phone says it's 19 degrees. Is it 19? So I step outside and I go, yeah, it's 19 degrees. Uh, and today I wore my heaviest parka to work. So look at that. I considered wearing long johns today, <laughs> but I definitely wore the woolly socks because I do not like to be cold. 19, record high yesterday, Loren. Feels like minus 19 at the airport. Uh, we can't say that's a 38-degree difference, but it's a 26-degree difference between 19 and minus 7. I, I remember the integers because I had to repeat that part of my math uh, learnings in high school. So I remember how to add those together. But my kids were outside all day yesterday in nothing but shorts and a T-shirt. And then when I grabbed them at 7 o'clock from playing basketball, they were they were very much ready to come inside. Yeah, what a bizarre day, and it continues with that wind, the howling. It was hard to sleep last night. I, As of 5.30 a.m., our strongest gust in the storm has been 76 kilometers per hour, but we know the wind continues throughout the day, and so I'd love to know what people are seeing on the highways. They look to be partially covered, mostly in and around Winnipeg, east of Winnipeg. Looks like there's a bit of a closure on Highway 6, but not all the way to Winnipeg, and so there's some road issues, but I found I find the wind is what's just driving me nuts. Because I'm sorry, I did not think it felt like 19 yesterday. I just thought it felt like a windy plus five. A windy plus five. Yeah, I did not feel warm at all. I don't know what, I don't know where the shorts came from. I didn't, I didn't even want to be out there. Yeah, it, uh, I just I can't believe what it is right now. And you're right, the, the wind howling. I, I thought my building was going to blow down. I thought the, the big bad wolf was outside huffing and puffing. I'll blow your house down. And uh, and then looking at the long weekend, it still looks good. So I have never, ever seen a swing like this. Most of Manitoba is under some sort of a weather advisory. We've got wind warnings in effect, which includes the city of Winnipeg, areas like Selkirk, Gimli. You've got blowing snow advisories as well, winter storm warnings. So, yeah, a wild week. I'm glad I didn't take the winter tires off, although not that it matters. I drive my car once a week. But the taxi today was slipping and sliding throughout downtown. And it was weird because some spots were covered in snow and ice and slippery, and other spots were just wet, Greg. I noticed that. 
Yeah. I noticed that. And no evidence of salting or sanding trucks uh, out on the streets of Winnipeg, at least the route I took. I don't want to suggest they haven't been out. I uh, would like to know if you've seen them, 204-780-6868. What are you finding out there? Because between the wind and that slushy ice mix, it, it could be a little bit tricky, especially on the high-speed routes, for sure. Cody yep. says I made it three miles from Stonewall. Says was okay, but then I hit a gust, couldn't see my headlights, so I turned around. Home with the kids today. Yeah, it doesn't take much, I think, with that kind of wind out there. And I don't know about you guys, but south of Winnipeg, we do have that dusting of snow. It's enough to get it blowing around. And so I can imagine it's the wind that's going to be so problematic today for people. Uh, although another listener just texted now to say Highway 7 is clear. In open areas, though, near zero visibility. But all in all, not too bad. So the highway is clear. Zero visibility in some parts, and they add that up to not bad. So I guess it depends on what you're used to. So we'll have more on the weather throughout the morning, I'm sure. And again, whatever you're seeing, 204-780-6868, of course, when it is safe for you to do so. Safe to say, hockey fans, that you're happy today. Greg? I would say if you didn't stay up to listen to and or watch the Jets game last night, you're waking up to some pretty good news. The Winnipeg Jets really did a number on the Calgary Flames last night. They gave up the first goal. They scored five straight goals. They've now won four of five games. They win 5-1 last night and now come home for a battle, a genuine battle for first place with the Toronto Maple Leafs Thursday and Saturday. Toronto, Winnipeg, and Edmonton all have 22 victories. They're separated, the three teams are, by two points. Very exciting and a tip of the hat to Coach Paul Maurice for shuffling his lines last night. He moved Mark Scheifele into onto a line with uh, Nikolai Ehlers on one wing and Kyle Connor on the other and moved uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois up to the what many consider the first line with uh, Paul Stastny on one wing and Blake Wheeler on the other. It was a brilliant move. It seems to have uh, sparked uh, more than one player on the top six and we'll, we'll see if we'll see that again tomorrow night. It's funny you say that we had Calgary's number. I went to bed when it's one nothing Calgary and thought to myself, man, that team just seems to have our number every mm. time we play out there. And then I was happy to wake up to that score. Quite yeah. surprised, actually. Two wins nice. out of three because the yeah. Jets, I think, had only won once one, in their nine once. previous visits prior to this uh, three-game series. So uh, the, Jets, uh, the Jets just might be for real, you guys. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Crazy day with the weather. Environment Canada meteorologist Mike Russo joins us now live on 680 CJOB. And Mike, I'm just looking at the warning map for southern Manitoba. Much of it, including the city of Winnipeg, is under a wind warning. How long can we expect this uh, quite, frankly, dangerous wind? Yeah, actually overnight uh, there was some uh, pretty strong winds out there, particularly in uh, the southwestern corner of the province, uh, Killarney reporting the uh, the strongest wind gust, uh, 100 kilometers per hour there overnight, uh, but many areas reporting wind gusts uh, in excess of 90 kilometers per hour. Uh, here in the city, our strongest wind gust thus far has been up to uh, 80 kilometers per hour. We still might uh, see a wind gust of 90 kilometers per hour, but that would be just during the, uh, the early morning hours. And uh, as the day goes on, the winds should start to moderate slightly, although the remainder of the day is going to be a windy, windy day no matter which way you put it. By the end of the day, we'll see winds kind of drop down to about 30 gusting to 50. 
50 kilometers per hour and then continue to diminish uh, this evening. Winds and added concern, Mike, in the areas that might have received some snow. So what did we get for snowfall amounts or was it just the light dusting that I appear to see throughout much of uh, the Winnipeg area? Yep. Uh, as far as Winnipeg is concerned, we really shouldn't see that much. Uh, there's snow out there right now, but it's relatively light. Uh, the heaviest snow actually fell over central Manitoba uh, up into the parklands area. Uh, Flin Flon, for example, they saw 27 centimeters out of this storm system. Uh, we haven't had any other reports uh, up through central areas. We'll get some more reports as the day goes on. But I suspect that uh, there's probably a corridor anywhere from uh, Dauphin up through the Paw and Flin Flon and then east-northeastward through Norway House towards Island Lake that saw some significant snowfall, anywhere from uh, 15 to maybe as high as 30 centimeters. Kyle uh, sending us a text this morning. Good morning. Highway 9 is fine. Some blowing snow, no ice. Saw sanding trucks in the city on my way out. So that's going to be a concern throughout the day, the slippery roads. But maybe, Mike, you can walk us through the next three or four days as we get to uh, very spring-like conditions by uh, Thursday, if not by Good Friday. No, exactly. This is pretty much the worst of it today. Uh, The daytime high today really shouldn't rise too much from our overnight low uh, temperature dropping down to about uh, minus 10 degrees this morning and uh, kind of remaining steady thereafter. Uh, may, may actually pick up maybe one or two degrees during the afternoon hours. But, uh, you know, you put that together with the, uh, with the stronger winds and you're looking at uh, some relatively cold wind chill values. Uh, wind chills uh, up at around minus 20, 21 or so. Uh, thereafter, things gradually start to improve. Daytime high, uh, getting up to minus 3 degrees for Wednesday as we see skies clear off tonight, uh, giving us sunny skies for tomorrow. Uh, the morning low tomorrow, though, sitting around minus 16, and I don't think we've seen that in a, in a little while. And then uh, as we get into the, uh, the latter part of the week, uh, temperatures rebounding back to uh, above normal values. The normal high for Winnipeg, about plus 5 degrees for this time of the year. And uh, by the weekend, we're looking at uh, actually quite nice temperatures, uh, plus 18 for Friday and plus 12 for Saturday with generally sunny skies. Environment Canada's Mike Russo joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mike, thank you for this. Much appreciated. Nope. No problem. It was in this hour yesterday that we were telling you Canada was in a very tight race between vaccines and variants. Yeah, that was the exact words of Canada's top doctor, Theresa Tam. And of course, I think we can all say that developments over the past 24 hours certainly show this race to be true. As of this morning, B.C. is reimposing several pandemic restrictions. So church services are off. In-room dining is no longer allowed unless it's on a patio with your household members. Whistler Ski Hill has closed for at least three weeks. And B.C.'s top doctor, Dr. Bonnie Henry, says it's all about redoubling their efforts. While the premier of that province, John Horgan, directed his words directly at those between 20 and 40 years old, saying they're putting the rest of the province in a challenging position. We do not yet have enough people protected with our vaccines to keep our loved ones and our communities safe. A circuit breaker is now required to break the chains of transmission in our province. Our balance in BC is now off. And this is a very challenging time. In the last six days, we've seen the start of exponential growth. 
do not blow this for the rest of us. Do not blow this for your parents and your neighbors and others who have been working really, really hard. Jim's that comment, and sorry, I didn't clip the audio quite right there on the end. That comment, of course, from John Horgan has many pointing to the fact that it's people in the younger age groups who are often working in those more vulnerable positions, like maybe the restaurants, the grocery stores, the factories. And we want to point to that demographic because as they are highlighted there in BC, other provinces like Ontario haven't just been watching a spike in cases in younger people, Greg. They're also noting more people under 50 being hospitalized for COVID-19. Premier Horgan, really? Wow. Please do not blow this for the rest of us. That's uh, stark language, of course. It again points to the need to speed up vaccinations. But as we we look to book more people for their shots. Canadian officials, including those here in Manitoba, are partially hitting pause on the use of the AstraZeneca vaccine, stopping its use in Manitoba for anyone under the age of 55. Global's Brittany Greenslade explains. Out of an abundance of caution, uh, Manitoba will be recommending that these vaccines only be used in people who are 55 and older at this time. Manitoba is pausing the use of AstraZeneca for those under the age of 55. The move comes after rare, serious blood clots were found among the younger ages, and primarily in women. What I can say right now is that um, if we're assuming the worst for the AstraZeneca, then the risk uh, associated with these rare blood clots is high enough that for someone who's young and healthy, it might be too high to be beneficial. Dr. Joss Reimer says those with a history of blood clots aren't necessarily at higher risk, but they don't know exactly who is. The increase in this rare type of serious blood clot uh, affects somewhere around one in 100,000 to one in a million people who receive this vaccine. And there are still too many unknowns when it comes to frequency and long-term outcomes. We want this vaccine program to be safe. Um, and while you know we still believe that probably the benefits for all ages outweigh the risks, I'm not comfortable with probably. Manitoba has administered around 14,000 AstraZeneca doses. Dr. Joss Reimer says they've seen none of these side effects so far, but they typically appear 4 to 20 days after receiving the shot. Symptoms that look like a stroke or a heart attack, so that could be things like a severe headache that doesn't go away, uh, seizure, uh, difficulty moving, severe chest pain or shortness of breath. While its use is on pause for some, Reimer says Manitobans 55 to 64 can still get the shot, saying the benefit is higher than the potential risk. Because the serious side effect has been appearing more often in younger people. And at the same time, for people who are older than 55, the risk of COVID infection goes up substantially. No second dose appointments are being made until data supports the vaccine safety. For now, anyone under 55 with a scheduled appointment will have it cancelled immediately. Brittany Greenslade, Global News. We're going to speak to independent researcher and microbiologist Jason Tetro after 745. He's better known through his course podcasts as the germ guy. We will be talking to him about AstraZeneca, but also about the spread in young people. His tweet yesterday said this, I've been saying the 20 to 40 age group has been a major factor in the spread of COVID-19 for months Without compliance, we'll never achieve COVID zero, even with a vaccine. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb. Last week we learned Pepsi and Peeps have teamed up to create a limited edition marshmallow soda, which all had us horrified. But that got us thinking about... 
there are some strange drink flavors out there that you might think shouldn't work, but you actually enjoy, or maybe you just hate them. So we want to talk about unique slash weird drink flavors or combos. If you've got a story associated with that, text us at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia pizza. I can actually, I'll start us off here because I've got one, Loren, that goes back to Taco Bell. And uh, we can always bring course, it back to Chi-Chi's, Minidosa, or Taco Bell. <laughs> so for me, I was in the drive-thru, working the drive-thru, and this guy uh, comes through and he says, "What do you?" Or I tell him, what do you want to drink? And he says, surprise me. And I say, that, that's usually not how it works. I, he says, ah, just surprise me. So I said, fine. And I went down the run and I, I just, I gave him swamp. I gave him one of everything. <laughs> and he took a sip and he said, ah, that's good. <laughs> Swamp water, I like it. All right. He didn't know what it was. I didn't tell him that I gave him swamp water, but uh, he was happy, so it worked out well. So let's go around the horn here. We've got Cam Poitras. We've got Jeff Fortier. Jeff Fortier, what's on your mind on this topic? Oh, so me and my buddy, when we were kids, six, seven, or eight, around that age, we said, play this game, I guess if you want to call it a game, we call it experiments, but we just just go into his kitchen (laughs) And grab whatever we could find. So we'd have vinegar, you know, put a little bit of that in there. Mm, uh, soy delicious. sauce. Oh, let's, let's mix that in there. <laughs> What's this? Cayenne pepper. Let's spice things up, shall we? And then we'd, we'd shoot it back and then run around and try not to yak all over the place. <laughs> Were you successful in holding back said uh, release? I believe so. I believe most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. I, 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 don't, I don't remember puking. Maybe I did. <laughs> oh, vinegar, soy sauce, and cayenne mm. pepper. Producer Jeff Forte, you are insane. Cam Poitras. Uh, yeah, I, I hate all of these things. Um, like I, I'm, I'm a guy I like cheese pizza. Not that I don't like toppings on my pizza. I like cheese pizza. I like my poutine, which is gravy and curds. I like my burger to taste like a burger. I, I, I like the basics. It's a classic for a reason. And when you start messing around with stuff, I just feel like it's just a gimmick. It's like, oh, Pepsi's has marshmallows and Pepsi. It's, it's just so that we talk about it. No one in their right mind would like something that disgusting. Um. <laughs> And yeah, that's the end of it. Like I remember, Jones Soda had like a a turkey dinner and gravy yes. soda. It was disgust. Like my buddy tried to drink that. He's like, "Oh, you try it." I'm like, "No, <laughs> I already know it's terrible. I don't need to. I don't need to suffer through it." I love when people open a milk carton, they'll sniff it, and they go, "Can you taste this?" No, <laughs> I can't. How I do that all taste? the time, all every morning. I'm like, "Can someone else try this, please?" Thank you. <laughs> well, what about you, Loren? I'm with Cam. Like, I get annoyed if you bring me a Diet Pepsi instead of a Diet Coke. Like, and I'll send it back. This, this ain't Got Diet it. Coke. Like, I didn't ask for that. What's the difference? Oh, there's a difference. Like, don't tell me there's not a difference. So, no, I'm not into the weird drink flavors. But on Forche's story, it reminded me of how early in this pandemic, we had this bowl set out on the piano. And if the kids ever said they were bored, they had to go in and pull out this piece of paper. And we had put in different suggestions for them of things to do. So sometimes it might be a board game. It might be cleaning their room. But one one of them was they got to put a blindfold on us and give us things to taste test. Yes. And uh, we did Worcestershire or whatever, the, however the heck you say that. <laughs> and I haven't been able to have a Caesar since because that oh. on its own is disgusting. <laughs> it's ruined Caesars for me, which is the second you best like drink out Caesars, there. You like your Caesars, yeah. I know. Oh, man. 
That's a tragedy. I'm sorry to hear that. My condolences, yeah. Loren. Yeah, well, once we it was in my this. mouth, I was like, what is this horror? And everyone's like, you know. You, know, you, you, know. you should have combined, combined it with some soy sauce and some vinegar. Cayenne <laughs> pepper, just spice it up. That's basically a Caesar. Macklin, oh, yeah, no. You had an eight-year-old You're right. <laughs> well, you always talk about Chi-Chi's. Before Chi-Chi's, I worked at Fingers, the place for ribs, which was right next to Chi-Chi's. And they had a promotion back in the mid-'80s called Milk on Ice. I guess the milk people were trying to get you to drink more milk. And milk on ice is actually quite good. It's even better if you do like Laverne DeFazio did on Laverne and Shirley and add a little bit of Pepsi. My mom would do that. And then as I got older, I realized it was really good if you added milk, ice, Pepsi with rye, Kahlua, <laughs> and uh, milk, and away you went. And that was, uh, I said it was a cement mixer. That is not a cement mixer. It is a whiskey paralyzer. Oh. That's all it is. It sounds like it's a flaming milk. homer to me. Uh, yeah. so good. <laughs> flaming homer. So you need some cough syrup in there. So here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868. We have a $20 gift card, Santa Lucia Pizza, up for grabs. We'll give it away after 9.15. So tell us a story about weird drink combinations. Do you like them? Do you hate them? Do you have a story? you have a memory? Share it. 204-780-6868 for your chance to win. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and indeed it is super windy. Global's Abigail Turner joins us now, and Abigail, of course, we are at Portage in Maine, which is already one of the windiest spots in the city. Um, but you have found yourself in one in a spot that is perhaps windier. Where are you this morning? Yeah, good morning, guys. I'm out on McGilvery and Keniston this morning, uh, and you're right. The wind is absolutely incredible. I, I really can't remember the last time I've felt wind like this um, on our morning show. Normally, I have my tripod set up with my camera, and, and I couldn't do that this morning. It was taking my light off. My tripod was flying across the road, so I've been holding my camera out this morning. Uh, my back leg is out trying to give me a little bit of a, a, some stabilization, I guess, and I was running into the car after my last hit so I could chat with you guys and I kind of um, fell towards the ground this wind is just so strong it's incredible the roads for the most part quite bare I mean there are some snow patches but it's really that wind that's this morning that's a uh, kind of the star of the show yeah, that wind gusting up to, as Brett just said, 76, 77 kilometers per hour in Winnipeg, up to 90 kilometers per hour in some parts of the province. Abigail, thank you for the time. If you see anything else out there, we know it's uh, causing pe- vehicles to blow around a bit. So keep in touch. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And make sure you get your hazard pay. And if you want to see Abigail in action, I've posted a video on Twitter <laughs> of her outside in the wind. Um, Loren, I'll just quickly ask you, did, is, was that stuff, kind of stuff that you did when you were reporting? Yeah, in fact, I got turned into a promo once because as, as I was waiting to go live for Global National one night in southern Ontario, the snow started building up on my shoulder so thick, like it was <laughs> rising like as they watched, and they all thought it was hilarious back in the studio. But of course, you know, you're waiting for your turn, and you're like, hurry up, talk faster, Kevin, like get to me. I cannot wait to be out of this wind. So yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's uh, what you do. You go out there, and then like she said, you run back to the car as quickly as possible. And Kevin so, Newman hanging you out to dry there. 
Yeah. Let's, let's just call him out. We should call him up right now. I should call him out for that one. Several highways, by the way, closed because of the weather. Highway 10 in Riding Mountain National Park and from the park to Cowan. Uh, Highway 5 from the Kelwood area to the Saskatchewan border. Highway 6 from St. Laurent to Grahamdale. Portions of many other smaller highways are closed as well. In the meantime, as you drive through school zones over the next four days. Don't forget, just because kids are not in school doesn't mean, Greg, you cannot be ticketed for speeding in those 30 kilometer per hour zones. Well, in fact, yesterday I caught myself in one of those and I saw the sign and I sort of yelled to myself out loud, don't forget the school zone. As someone who supports the creation of the school speed zones, I also feel as though the implementation of this program, if we can actually call it that, is wonky. These school zones are enforced over Christmas and spring break. Shouldn't they also be enforced in the summertime when it's possible as many kids use schoolyards and playgrounds as they do during the months of the year schools in session? There has also been the hesitancy to install flashing amber lights, a saga which we spent many a segment discussing here on CJOB over the last couple of years, which suggests in the minds of many that this isn't about safety It's about generating revenue under the disguise of safety. If these speed zones are required and serve to help reduce the possibility of kids being critically injured by a motorist, then why aren't we investing every dollar these reduced speed zones generate into making them as visible and as safe as possible? And if there are certain zones where it makes sense for there to be a photo radar camera set up on a regular, if not daily basis, Doesn't that suggest children are at risk in those particular zones which are generating sufficient fines to justify their presence? In other words, Loren, if it's all about safety, prove it. Yeah, well, at least one city councillor agrees with that view, Greg, and I know we've been talking about this for years now on this show, but St. Boniface councillor Matt Allard has actually put forward a motion for city council, which in part asks Winnipeg to consider the reallocation of funding equal to the city's net portion of revenues generated by the photo radar program in school zones and move it from the Winnipeg Police Service budget to the Public Works Department for the establishment of a new account whose funds are used exclusively for safety improvements and design changes in and around school zones in order to eliminate the need for photo enforcement. So we should repeat that last part. This is about eliminating the need for photo enforcement which, in theory, should be the ultimate goal, Greg. Reduce the speed, make it safer, then we don't need to keep photo radar enforcement going. But until then, put the money back where it makes sense. I think we all remember David Northcott, who ran Winnipeg Harvest for years and years. And Brett, I remember the first time I ever interviewed Mr. Northcott, he said to me, and he said on the air, if not off air, my ultimate goal is to put myself out of a job. And if you were doing things correctly with regard to fighting hunger, that's exactly what would have happened. Of course, Winnipeg Harvest, Manitoba Harvest is here, uh, unfortunately, to stay. I would like to see those photo radar cameras go the way of the dodo bird because we've done such a tremendous job of making school zones as safe and visible as they can possibly be. Question of the day at cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca. 
Call 204-987-6890. Should all the money generated from school zone speeding fines be directed to making those same school zones safer and more visible? So far, the early results, 85% say yes. You can cast your vote at CJOB.com. We've also put that poll up on Twitter, at 680CJOB, and on Instagram, in our Instagram story. If you don't follow us there, please do. We're almost at 8,000 followers. Nice, easy number. Traffic, weather next on the start. On the light side, we're talking about weird drink flavors and combos for your chance to win 204-780-6868. We've got our $20 gift card, Santa Lucia Pizza up for grabs, and I love the way Kat and Gimli has described her tale. A very long time ago, I wanted a drink, but all we had in the house was peach schnapps. Not really my thing, so I decided to add some mix and used 7-Up. Sadly, peach schnapps with 7-Up tastes exactly like ginger ale. Disappointing, especially when what you're really looking for is a closer acquaintance with Mr. John Daniels or Mr. James oh. Beam. <laughs> <laughs> Too sweet. That's a that's a that's basically a sugary mix she made herself there. And you mentioned uh, Diet Pepsi earlier, Loren, and there is a difference. There is, I, mean, I don't personally care if I'm having Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi. I'll take one or the other, but I do prefer Diet Coke because I find the Diet Pepsi is a little sweet. And typically, if I'm if I'm drinking Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi, it's just used as a delivery mechanism for uh, mm-hmm. uh, Bobby Bacardi. So I know. used to work with the camera guy, Jeremy, who would bring me a Diet Pepsi as a joke, I think just to tick me off. Oh, Loren, I got you a drink. And then he'd set it on my desk, and I'd be like, get out of here with that thing. And then I'd drink it, but still. <laughs> Have either one of you ever broken your jaw? No, I've, I've taken a, an elbow to the side in a basketball game like 20 years ago. It still cracks from time to time. Here's a story from one of our listeners. I think it's a first time texter, actually. Back in college, a friend of mine broke his jaw in a car accident. He was completely wired shut. Mm. And the only thing he could do was have soups and liquids and things that he could drink through a straw. We had barbecued steak one evening and he had said it smelled so good that he wanted to try it. So we got ingenious and took a steak and yeah. sent it through the blender. Oh. It was a little thick, so we added a little beer oh. to thin it out. We had a f- few sips of it and oh. couldn't drink anymore. He said it was the worst thing he had ever tasted. Here's to good friends. Yeah. Cheers. Oh. They tried. It's like baby food. <laughs> they tried. Why? Not? I guess why not? Um, but yeah, that would be hard, having to smell that and not be able to eat it. As we watch the latest developments on the AstraZeneca vaccine, we're also looking to other provinces to see how they're dealing with a rise in COVID-19 variants, particularly in younger people. Yeah, as of this morning, several pandemic restrictions are back on in British Columbia. Indoor restaurant service, gone. Indoor religious services, cancelled. Whistler, Ski Hill has been closed. It not only comes as the province deals with a rise in overall cases, but a growing number of people in their 30s around the province are being admitted to the hospital and even the ICU. Here's BC Premier John Horgan's 
appeal to that 20 to 40 age group. Do not blow this for the rest of us. Do not blow this for your parents and your neighbors and others who have been working really, really hard. There was some backlash around that statement. We'll get to that in a moment. But our next guest has been talking for weeks about the concerning rise in cases in that 20 to 40 age group. Jason Tedrow is not only an independent researcher in microbiology and immunology, he's also an author and, of course, host of the super awesome science podcast, basically the germ guy, as he's known on Twitter. Good morning, Jason. Good morning. So why have you been trying to sound the alarm for this this age group, Jason? Well... You know, when you start looking at how a virus spreads through a community, um, what you look for is essentially any kind of peaks or spikes that would happen at a particular age group. So, you know, imagine a, a line that basically goes from age of zero to age 100. And what you want to see when it's in a community is something that looks a little bit like Garbage Hill. It kind of goes up a little bit, stays level across most of the age groups, and then comes down on the other side. What's been happening, though, is that it's been looking a little bit more like Mount Fuji, <laughs> where right in the middle, around that 20 to 40 age group, it's just been spiking up straight up, whereas everybody else has been kind of, you know, fairly low and 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 controlled. And what that tells you is that the uh, the restrictions and also that what we call self-efficacy, people actually doing it for themselves is okay in the majority of age groups. But in that 20 to 40 age group, it seems to be either lacking or for some reason, there's something happening that's preventing them from being able to do it. And so you want to point that out to be able to tell the government we need to have some kind of restriction to either you know restrict them or maybe just to help them out. So, Jason, if we're going to play the geography game as well as you have, why don't we look at Australia and the fact that, you know, uh, they, they they went down and dirty with this right from the get-go. They got mm -hmm. serious about it, and they've had a, a couple of not, you wouldn't even call them spikes based on what we've seen yeah. here in Canada, but whatever there's a hint of, of cases coming back, they locked down, and now they're enjoying... Australian rules football in 60,000 seat stadium shoulder to shoulder. So does this come from all that to, to ask you this question, does this come from leadership and the rules that are in place or does it come from individuals taking the onus upon themselves and saying, you know what, we really shouldn't be doing X, Y, or Z? Yeah, in, in Australia and also in New Zealand, um, you know, you can't deny it. It literally looks like Brandon, where I'm actually from. It's flat. Um, and, and as a result of that, what has happened is that the people have actually bought in to being able to do it for themselves. Now, there is some distrust of the government and there's a whole bunch of politics that goes on. I try and stay away from that. But what I do know, and this is coming from some of my relatives and other colleagues, is that they know that a little bit of pain at the, on, at the front end is going to lead to all of the ability to go back to normal. And that's exactly what's been happening. You try that here in Canada, and at least 20% of the population is going to get really uppity about it. Um, and you're going to have an even smaller percentage of that population essentially say no and start having you know, uh, protests in the streets without their masks on, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a little bit of a different um, environment in that sense. I would love to be able to see us doing the Australian or even the New Zealand model, but it's just not possible in our country. What do you say to those who think it's unfair to target that 20 to 40 age group, you know, particularly as a lot of them are often working in those more vulnerable jobs like mm -hmm. factories or grocery stores or restaurants, etc.? Yeah, and I think that's one of the big issues is that when you point out what the data is saying, you know, the data does not lie. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm telling you that 
as a 20 to 40 year old, you're the cause of everything that's happening. No, what I'm saying is there are situations in the society that are leading to these individuals being the majority of the cases, and that potentially leads to intergenerational spread and then nastiness happens. What we want to do is we want to be able to either, as I said at the top, either restrict the people who are simply not listening by doing the closures or the circuit breaks, or for the people who literally are struggling, and I, we've been seeing that on Twitter, um, giving them a break. And I think in that sense, either one of the um, of those options is going to be able to help reduce the numbers. It's just how you look at it. And unfortunately, people get very, um, I guess the word would be triggered when they see someone potentially pointing the finger at them. And, and yeah, I've been hearing that for the last <laughs> few days. Mm -hmm. No one wants to be blamed, but it's that delicate balance between the healthcare system and the economy, Jason. And, and when we talk about that, it's not just BC mm -hmm. that's looking at this younger age group. Ontario, I know doctors there have been saying, hey, we're seeing a lot more hospitalizations with people under 50, more admitted to the ICU. Mm -hmm. What do Manitobans numbers show you in terms of the potential impact on that younger age group? Because up until now, it's been, we're watching for the most vulnerable, who are the plus 65, plus yeah. 70, plus 80s. And now here we are looking at young people, not just getting it, but uh, getting more infectious cases of it. Yeah, Manitoba is such an interesting um, sort of experiment when it comes to how we're going to be able to control this particular virus, because we've looked at it and that sort of garbage hill analogy seems to be in a lot of the areas, except for the north, about 53rd parallel. And where in that case, you actually see the majority happening in the younger population. And of course, with this variant coming in, because it produces more virus and it produces more potential for harm, you're going to see younger individuals end up having to be hospitalized just because, you know, it's, it's numbers. More virus equals more bad. So the, the restrictions that we're seeing in Manitoba are being done in different environments to be able to account for how we're seeing that spread across the age groups. But to be honest with you, what I've been seeing from Manitoba actually seems to be making quite a bit more sense than you would in some of the other provinces. So in that light, it's not perfect. But all you have to do is go to the sort of daily cases analysis that you have in Manitoba, and you can see you've been doing a heck of a great job since around November. Jason Tetro, not only an independent researcher in microbiology and immunology, he is also an author and host of the Super Awesome Science Podcast. Jason, we love talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, sir. It was such a pleasure. Take care. I know that, uh, you know, working from home has its benefits, but you missed out yesterday. Greg, do you concur? Oh, my word. The best tasting icing I have ever had in my lifetime. It was yellow. I knew it was going to be lemon flavored, Loren, but I had no idea how perfect the balance was between sweet and sour. This is this is like pure magic. Can't wait to hear from this young person in about an hour's time. So I'm going to guess the icing did not come from a can jar like I... <laughs> Shelf number three. You mean at like the, the Betty Crocker store? lemon? No, uh, no, <laughs> it can no, no. Sit there for. I think it can sit there for far longer than anything should sit there before you have to be worried about it. So no. Okay. All right. I look forward to this. I can get some tips. If that icing, or where to buy it? If that icing sat long enough, could you use it to uh, like to to lay bricks? I don't know. Some More things dark. defy logic for how long they can sit. I mean, you once it's opened, like so many things, right? You have to refrigerate it. But it's just crazy to me all the things we consume where it just says. Good until 
4047. <laughs> so that's coming up at 9:35. But hey, as one of the things we've been discussing this morning, one city councilor has prepared a motion which in essence asks the city to step up and prove that school speed zones are about safety first. St. Boniface Councillor Matt Allard has prepared a motion for city council which in part asks the city to consider this. The allocation of funding equal to the city's net portion of revenues generated by the photo radar program in school zones from the Winnipeg Police Service budget to the Public Works Department for the establishment of a new account whose funds are used exclusively for safety improvements and design changes in and around school zones in order to eliminate the need for photo enforcement. It seems like a noble suggestion, Loren, to the powers that be. I wonder if they're listening. Yeah, well, Councillor Allard joins us now in the start. Good morning, Councillor. Morning. Let's just start with the, the general notion that many Winnipeggers have about the way school zones are enforced now. What message does the way the city enforces these school zones currently send to you? Well, I think there's a lot of Winnipeggers who don't have faith in the system as a safety uh, as a safety measure. I personally do think that there is merit to photo enforcement in school zones. I think it does change driver behavior for many. Uh, but what it doesn't do is it doesn't tra- change driver behavior for everybody. And that's what this motion is about. Um, since I've been elected city councillor, I've learned that the, the way that roads are engineered and things like traffic calming uh, initiatives, those are the things that actually uh, slow down everybody, whether you're, you're somebody who follows the speed limit or whether you're one of those drivers who, uh, for whatever reason, uh, you miss the sign and, and you end up speeding in a school zone. And I thought, I thought I'd start with school zones because that's where our kids uh, go to school. That's where, where they walk to school. That's where they play on playgrounds. And I think that's a good place to start. This program has been criticized by so many who see it solely as a cash cow. In fact, there are some who feel like the 30 kilometer an hour slowdown is entirely without merit. But then you've got others who think these speed zones should be enforced 24-7, 365 days a year. And boo-hoo if you get a ticket. If you don't want a ticket, don't speed. So do you understand either or both of those sentiments? Uh, you know, I, I, I think I understand both camps. Uh, I can tell you that um, uh, both camps uh, are, are pretty convinced. Uh, I can say that one of the most common uh, requests that I get in my office and when I'm knocking on doors is uh, slowing down traffic, uh, particularly when, when you're getting into neighborhoods. Uh, some streets are particularly bad. Uh, on the flip side, you know, you can you can see based on some reports, uh, some media outlets have, have done year over year, uh, analysis on specific locations where the tickets don't seem to drop very much. And so those are the concept, uh, the concept that I keep uh, trying to promote is the idea that photo enforcement ticket locations where they're high, it's like a canary in the coal mine. It tells us, okay, there's a speeding problem here. And so what we haven't had in the past is a link between uh, that canary in the coal mine, um, you know, when you're, when you're mining and when that canary dies, you, you don't go there. And so, uh, in terms of photo enforcement, if we're getting a lot of photo enforcement tickets at a particular location, I think it's a clear sign that we need to make some uh, road improvements, traffic improvements. We've got to do something there in order for uh, that speeding to stop. 
Well, I think you're in trouble, and I've said this on air, I've said it off, that when you have somebody like me who, you know, endorses the idea of slowing down around schools, but not how it's enforced, and if you have somebody like me questioning the system, I think it should be clear that something isn't quite right. And I agree with you, this idea, this is obviously a resource to have a photo enforcement camera placed at a school. When you see them at the exact same location, or at least in the exact same school zone, almost every day or nearly every single day, that should be telling us, hey, wait a minute, people are still speeding here. We need to do something to stop that if the program is about safety. Exactly. And uh, since the program's since the program's inception, it's been clear that the revenues generated by photo enforcement are to go towards safety or police. And so uh, council in the past has made the decision to send all of the revenue to police. And uh, in terms of this, uh, this idea, if, if this report passes or if this motion passes, it'll generate a report. That report will have options. And I'm hoping at that point the report can be funded, can be uh, referred to the 2022 budget update process, where having been a member of the budget working group, there's always options. You know, we could do, we could do it in whole, in part. Uh, and we know that we already have the problem of photo enforcement revenue being down this year because of COVID-19. Uh, we also know that the police decided to suspend photo enforcement during COVID-19 when kids weren't going to school and when playgrounds were closed. So, you know, I think, I think I believe in the program, but I think it does need reform. I think this is one of the easiest ways to reform it. I do have other ideas on how to reform it, but right now the legislation only allows us to put phone enforcement in school zones and at red light cameras or at red lights. So it's pretty limiting in terms of where we can put the, these devices to ensure that people are not speeding. Uh, but uh, no, the province is also reviewing the issue and really think that uh, for those who believe in this program, uh, we need to reform it because there's a whole lot of people that think it's just a cash grab. It's not just a cash grab, but I think we need to to make it better. Well, we've been waiting uh, at least a year now for that provincial review on photo radar. And in the meantime, you've put forward this motion. And again, we're speaking to Councillor Matt Allard, St. Boniface City Councillor, about a proposal that would see a reallocation of funds from photo radar and school zones go into traffic safety within the public works coffers. Matt, I have to ask the question. We have had a Winnipegger come forward with the offer of signs and for the most part, free signs, although there were some costs to the city that would help uh, improve safety and awareness in those school zones. And that hit so many roadblocks. I mean, if we can't do it right on an offer of free help, how can we fix this? I mean, that, that, that might've been one way to get things going to make things safer in the first place. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you there's a long story to that particular issue, uh, but I will say the, the council just voted on a bylaw to amend the, to, we amend we amended or we passed the bylaw last council allowing for the installation of the first flashing beacon in a school zone. Uh, so we are moving on that, but there, there has been quite a bit of back and forth on that story. And um, I guess there's a backstory to it. If you want to talk about it one day, I'm happy to get into it. <laughs> Um, and before we let you go then, Councillor Allard, uh, so what, do you have a, a sense as to how this might go? Uh, you know, I've, I've talked to a few colleagues so far. I think um, there, there's an understanding of the idea. I think the challenge is going to be budgetary. But um, like I said, there's different ways to slice the pie. And um, if it does, this does get to the budget, uh, uh, as if the report does get referred to the budget, then I think there's different ways uh, we could take a look at it. So I'm optimistic, and we'll see what my colleagues decide to vote. 
St. Boniface Councillor Matt Allard joining us live on 680 CJOB. Matt, thank you for this. Thank you. And the question of the day at CJOB.com has to do with this. It's brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question is, should all the money, all the money generated from school zone speeding fines be directed to making those same school zones safer and more visible? CJOB.com, 76% say yes, 24% say no. Twitter, it was 80% yes, and Instagram, 87%. Yes. So cast your vote on any one of those platforms. Yeah, like I really don't know why we don't have, you know, either bigger signs or flashing signs. Because if you enter a school zone and you don't slow down because you didn't happen to notice the sign, then that's how, where's the safety in that? There isn't any. In fact, it, speed it, bumps, you could put out, there's other things right. that could be done. Raised crosswalks or something yeah. that's done in other jurisdictions, more lighting, Flashing amber beacons, more consistency in terms of uh, when this is enforced. There's lots of things that that could be done if they really wanted to get to the idea or the belief and the notion that uh, the ultimate goal is not to ever have to plant one of those cameras there again. Yeah, because I don't think, I think in a lot of cases, it's not that people are flouting the rules. Obviously, in some cases, people are, but we've all done it where we've kind of gone into a school zone and it takes a few seconds for it to sure. register. You go, oh, yeah, this is a school zone. I got to slow down. And you're a conscientious driver. Yeah. And it happens. Yeah. And it, like in areas where I know there's a school zone, I'm familiar with the area, but you just sometimes, you're just sort of mindlessly driving along. And so it's not that we're trying to be lawbreakers. We're just, Sometimes you for, you drop the ball. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Text message at 204-780-6868 on the subject of drinks, weird drinks, unique drinks. Do you like them? Do you hate them? Do you got a story about a weird combo of a drink? And this is a cute text. My kids, when they were little, they had their own lemonade stand and their concoction was called barnyard juice their name for it not mine and it was made with all the drinks mixed milk oj (laughs) apple juice and anything else in the fridge it was so gross yet they drank it sold nothing but they loved having fun mixing it all up still so gross gotta love nine and ten year olds i think they should trademark that name it's a good name i think that name name again barnyard juice Mm-hmm. That's I think better than swamp water. Yeah. You could have like a cute, you could have a, a much better, like the image, the graphic is much nicer of a beautiful red barn versus like the swamp monster and the all the snot. What's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> it looks like snot, like the LJ. Like Sorry. the swamp thing or the creature from yeah. the Black Lagoon. Thank you. Yeah. All, Thank the, you. all the green goo hanging off. Green yes. goo would have been better yes. than snot, but that's where that's my head's okay. oh, whatever. That's okay. I like how we're brainstorming a business idea here, a product marketing campaign uh, what would go in barnyard juice if we were going to make it palatable and drinkable what could actually go in that actually fits within the parameters at least loosely of what we're trying to sell here what would go in barnyard juice would it start with eggnog would that be the <laughs> would that be the perfect <laughs> it, it would be for sure what else <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just one. I'm thinking like if this were a beer, I could see a a, a craft beer. Ooh, barnyard one juice. Of beers, barnyard juice. Oh, I like that because we have so many creative names for beer just mm-hmm. in Manitoba alone. So that could be something. Maybe it could be one where they. It's just sort of a. We don't really have a theme here. We just threw in a bunch of ingredients to see what came out. Well, you know, I noticed that you said that you tried rum with. Was grape, it grape Kool Aid? Grape juice or grape juice? Oh, okay. Yeah, well, because I, the listener said they were uh, out of they were out of everything, so they were drinking rye and Kool Aid. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm kind of in the middle. I, I think uh, grape Kool Aid is life. It, it is a, an extraordinary beverage. I really like uh, grape crush as well. But what about beep? How come nobody's mentioned beep? Because beep, beep oh, is yeah. simply a, it's a concophony. I don't know what that is. Oh, look it up. It's a cocophony of. <laughs> How I think you it's, tell everybody. Who okay, doesn't oh, know. I'm going to tell you, but I know you're going to look it up anyway. Uh, <laughs> I think it's apricot juice, orange juice, apple juice, and there might even be one other fruit in there. And uh, I'm thinking if we combine beep with eggnog, we might have something. Oh, God, help us. That would be barnyard juice. <laughs> uh, you might. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds gross, but you know what? Until I try it, and you're right, you have fit into the parameters. Beep and eggs sounds interesting. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, we're giving away a $20 gift card, Santa Lucia Pizza, based on your text messages on weird Drink flavors. And this listener says, flavored drinks, beer called Ghost Face Killer, just like the uh, Wu-Tang Clan rapper. He says, it's like drinking pepper spray. It has six spicy peppers in it. It should come with a roll of toilet paper and a bag of ice. <laughs> YouTube it. It's filthy. Hashtag America. Oh so I looked it up, and there's a review that says, although it claims Twisted Pine Brewing Company's Ghostface Killer is brewed in Boulder, Colorado, don't let them fool you. This beer is a descendant from hell. So thank you for the oh, warning. I will never try why? that beer. <laughs> why would that even be invented? Some people like spicy things, and I don't understand why, but... To each their own. You eat the spicy stuff, I won't. And we'll I like spicy things, and this does not appeal to me at all. Yeah. I, extreme, I guess maybe people want to see, they, they want to test their metal. Mm. We got an interesting one here from Caddy Lake, Loren. Yeah, it comes from a listener who texted back in the early 70s. My husband, then boyfriend, and a few others were out at a Caddy Lake. At Caddy Lake. The guys wanted to run out and get some beer, so I asked him to pick up a bottle of wine for the ladies. He came back with not a bottle, but a jug of wine that had a handle on the side for easy pouring, I guess. Probably cost all of a fiver. Being as dry as the Sahara, the ladies added a bit apple, bit of apple, then orange, then limes. Then we threw in some vodka and sweetener, and there it is, the original cooler. If only I knew then what I know now, coolers in the 70s. (laughs) I like it. I like the jug. That's nice when you invent something and then you realize it like 50 years later. Oh, my gosh. I thought of that first. Hey, Caddy Lake, isn't that a song by Bob Seger? Let's go. No, it's Fire Lake. Sorry. (laughs) My mistake. I didn't know any either way. So you can book at Caddy Lake Campground starting April 7th. I can tell you that much. Are you the official spokesperson for this website, McNabb? Is that what's going on here? I know all the dates, even though I can never get a spot. (laughs) We going for the winner now? Yep, it's winner, time for the winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. And it actually fits this time. We've read this already, but it's so good. My kids, when they were little, had their own, quote, lemonade stand. And their concoction was called barnyard juice. Their name for it, not mine. And it was made with all the drinks mixed. Milk, 
OJ, apple juice, and anything else in the fridge. It was so gross, yet they drank it. Sold nothing, but they loved having fun mixing it all up. So gross. Gotta love nine and ten-year-olds. So congratulations to our winner for that incredible text and uh, instigating a conversation about what would really go on barnyard juice. And by the way, beep had in it orange, apple, apricot, prune, and pineapple juices. It was invented in Nova Scotia. Look at that. And you suggested mixing it with eggnog, and that would be barnyard juice. That would be barnyard juice. Okay. Would you try that? I'd have to if I was marketing it, wouldn't I? <laughs> I guess you Potentially. would. Potentially. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of moonshine in there. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb heads up this Thursday at 5 p.m. One-hour network special called Canada and COVID one year later. While we may feel like we've weathered this pandemic, many of our experiences are shared. We'll hear from talk hosts from across the Chorus Radio Network, including... Our very own Loren McNabb. Look at that, Loren. Yeah, and I'll be talking a bit about just that experience being at home and some of the questions and concerns we've had for my kids. And as you're saying this, my youngest is whispering beside me, can I say hello? <laughs> <laughs> which, which he's never once asked in a whole year of working from home. And just as you started talking, oh, there's this kid by my shoulder. Hey. <laughs> like, what? What? Get out of here. Dog's down here. Kids are down, down here. What's going on? So there's been some fun, right? Being at home with the kids. But of course, there's been all sorts of stress. And so we'll chat about that on that special Thursday at 5 p.m. Brett. Feed oh. your children, Loren. Come on. <laughs> Feed them? Feed them, yes. They've already had homemade pancakes, which, trust me, doesn't also only happens here once a year. Maybe that's why. Did you make the pancakes? Oh, I sure did. I whipped those up at the 820 commercial break. You've got to be kidding me. Nope. <laughs> You're a I'm magician. Just to, I'm just trying to sound like mom of the year here, and then I'm going to drop the mic and call it a day. Well, maybe what you need to do is place an order with our next guest and then mm. just say that you were behind this because, as we mentioned, we mentioned it about an hour ago, but if you're just tuning in, yesterday, in walks Gabrielle Marchand. Just after 10 o'clock, Gabby, of course, is the host of Global News Morning, weekdays 6 until 9 on Global Winnipeg. And she says, hey, I've got treats. So I say, what? She's got three boxes with her. She plops them all down in front of me. And in one box is uh, an assortment of delightful looking, I guess, sugar cookies or perhaps shortbread. We'll have to get clarification on that in a moment. They look like bunny rabbits. And then there were some macarons or les macarons. And then there were really cute cupcakes that had little birdies on them, Greg. And despite of how cute it was, I had no problem devouring it instantaneously. So I had the same interaction with the same Gabrielle Marchand about five minutes before you did, and you posted the pictures of your treats. Uh, mine didn't make it far enough uh, outside <laughs> of uh, the, this room for me to even think about taking a picture of these uh, tasty delights, and you picked the exact same three <laughs> treats as I did, which I found mind-blowing. And, Lorend, I have to tell you, I mentioned it earlier, but the lemon icing as part of this cupcake with the with the chick on it, with the baby chicken, was the best icing I've ever tasted in my lifetime. It was absolutely exquisite. You know, I miss working with you guys for a lot of reasons, but the food... <laughs> 
<laughs> would be pretty high on the list. So I'm sorry I missed out, but I'm so pleased to welcome on our show now Emily Marshall, aka Sweet Treats by Emily. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. So how old were you when you first learned to bake? Um, I've loved baking ever since I was little, and I always did it with my Nana growing up. So probably since I was like four or five, I've been baking. And sorry, how old are you now, Emily? I'm 15. 15. That's a decade of experience. So when, when did you decide to turn this into a business? Uh, so during the COVID pandemic, I spent almost every single day during lockdown baking and trying new recipes. Um, and then eventually last June, I had the idea to turn it into a business and go to different farmers markets in the area and sell there. So, yeah. Well, I have to commend you on your business acumen, Emily, because A, I love the name. B, the way you package your treats is absolutely fantastic. It looks like they come from a supermarket, and I mean that in the good way, not in the bad way, because they do not taste like they come from a supermarket. So outside of, you mentioned farmer's markets, obviously those are fewer and further between at this time of the year. How else are you selling your treats? Um, so I also uh, take orders, and people can place an order, and they're normally ready within a few weeks. So I do a bunch of different treats, like cakes, cupcakes, macarons, cookies, all sorts of different designs and everything like that. And how hard is it to carve out uh, a piece of the pie in this particular field? Because there are a lot of people doing this, you know, baking and, and marketing themselves on social media for a little side hustle. Yeah, so I've really tried to come up with uh, different things that I don't think as many people are doing. Um, Obviously, mastering the French macaron was a big accomplishment, and it's a very popular treat with lots of people. So it was really just finding these different things that aren't as common um, to bake so that I can... Uh, find more customers and reach more people in that sense. Okay, I got to jump in here. I, I know. know I, was, I wasn't going to say it, Greg. <laughs> I was like, this question has to go to Greg, I think. I'm dying to know because, Emily, after I had that cupcake with the with the icing on it, the chick icing, it's lemon icing, and I sent a text to Brett. I go, that is the most delicious icing I've ever tried. What Can you tell us what the secret ingredient is? What can you share? Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. 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 Um anything you can share? Is it um do you use a certain tool? Do you use a little bit less sugar than your like come on, you got to yeah. give you got to give me something <laughs> real lemon perhaps? Um so I use different extracts in um my baking. And with uh, buttercream, it's just a very simple buttercream. I make it in my KitchenAid stand mixer. It's really easy. But it's really important to beat the butter, like, for a minimum of five minutes before you even start adding the different ingredients in because it helps to make it a nice, fluffy texture, which is, like, a super nice texture in your mouth, and it just 
Oh, it's so nice. <laughs> now, I don't want to ruin this for you, but is baking more of a science than, say, cooking? Because I've had this discussion. I like to cook because I can sort of add what I want on the fly and I can taste it as I go. Where baking is very finicky. If you don't, if you skip any of the steps or even mess with them a little bit, you could be in real trouble. Yeah, I totally agree with baking. It's definitely a precise measurement for each of the ingredients. Um, Like I use a measuring scale to uh, get all the ingredients to the right amount of grams to put into the uh, the baking, just to make sure that everything is correct every single time. Where do you go to school, Emily? I'm curious if you're a hit at recess, if you bring (laughs) out any of your treats. Um, I go to Rivery's Collegiate. Oh, you're in the neighborhood. This is getting better. (laughs) (laughs) So aside from baking, how have you held up over the last year? Um, It's been good. I've had to really work with my time management between my school and my business um, and really just trying to keep myself calm and relaxed during these hard times with COVID. You know, obviously being stuck at home, I had to work with that and see how I could find different ways to still keep myself mentally active and physically active. So it's, it's been um, a good adventure. You're an only child, are you, Emily? <laughs> Pardon? Are you an only child? No, I have three other siblings. And are, are they interested in, in, this, in this venture with you? Are they, are they begging to get in on this? Not really. None of them are really bakers. Okay, well, that's to, good. Begging to eat it, I'm guessing. They might eat your <laughs> yeah. stuff. Taste testers. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, you don't want to share the profits anyway. Keep keep them out. That's, <laughs> don't, miss, don't mix family and business. That's a good acumen. So... Sweet treats by Emily. That's uh, so. I found you on Instagram. Do you do you have any uh, online presence anywhere else? Um, so I have my Instagram page, which is Sweet Treats by Emily, and then I also have a Facebook page, which is Sweet Treats by Emily. And on there, I often post all my different baking creations, and you know where you can find me at different markets and uh, stuff like that. Oh, the cookies! What kind of cookies were those? Those were sugar cookies. Just good old plain fashioned sugar cookies. They were so good. Yeah. They were so, so good. I, I don't think I've ever eaten, like when I saw that I had three little treats in front of me, I thought, hmm, this is, this will take me about five minutes to enjoy. It, it was, it was more <laughs> like 30 seconds. Uh, I was very much like a Dyson vacuum eating that food because that's how good it was. So Emily, uh, congratulations on your success so far and uh, can't wait to try some more stuff. Thank you so much. Brett, are you looking at our text line right now? Loren, are you looking at it? One of I'm our listeners, right now, one of our listeners has sent in a picture. This is the cake that Emily baked for my daughter's husband for his birthday. It looks like a four later, four layer. Is it a red velvet cake? Possibly, Emily. Do you do that? Yes. Yeah, I do oh. do red velvet cake. Mm. Oh, Going to give also Salisbury House like a running for, for run for their money. This is a high cake. And it's not four feet high, but that was like a foot high. <laughs> yeah, I've never understood. I, I don't like these massively high cakes. Is it is that hard to do to, to get them to? I mean, I, I, I've never baked a cake, so I have no idea what goes into it. But they're so artistic. How do you do it in a way where it looks so pretty? 
Um, so, well, first you have to uh, stack the cake layers. And I would say that's probably one of the hardest parts about baking a cake because you have to make sure it's not leaning to either side and you have to make sure the top's level and you there's a bunch of different things that go into that base of the cake but after you have the base done it's quite easy to just um decorate the cake after that because it's all secured more science more math are you good in both those subjects emily I'd like to think so. Well, good, good, good. <laughs> well, it's been a delight to meet you over the telephone. Uh, when this pandemic is over, you'll have to grace us with your pre- presence here at the studio. Would you be willing to come and say hi to us one of these days? Yes, absolutely. And it, that has nothing to do with the fact that we just want more of uh, your the cupcakes. <laughs> nothing at all. It does for me. It does for me. <laughs> I missed out. Although we've had about five or six texts, Emily, from people saying, what a lovely teenager. So that's a credit to you and to a small business you started. Thank you for this. Thank you so much. Emily Marshall, a.k.a. Sweet Treats by Emily, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.